You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome once again, it's the Throwback League, and I'm your host, Josh Lewin. This is the podcast where we take the 32 World Series winners between 1974 and 2006. We throw them in a blender with, well, 16 also Rams, teams that lost the World Series, but actually had obviously very good years. We seed the teams, we play the season. Let's get a champion, one champion, grand champion. That's the process here, and you can check it out in progress. We've got a website, thethrowbackleague.com, so all the results are there, box scores too. i got to say off the top of this one, this box score you're going to want to check out. Uh, this is crazy, this game. And normally I don't say anything at all about the simulated game's outcome off the top, but just a little spoiler alert, this one is freaking nuts. It's the 95 Braves at the 88 A's. Yeah, we got uh, a team that really should have won a World Series against a team that finally won a World Series. Eight seed against a nine. And uh, let's begin the scouting process here. Let's start with, actually, the home team this time. We don't normally do that, but uh, this is not your normal garden variety game that got played out. John Miller, legendary voice of Sunday Night Baseball for so long on ESPN, recalling the 88 Oakland Athletics. The Bash Brothers, and that team was kind of a, a, a swashbuckling team. Uh, I think Dave Stewart gets overshadowed a bit by McGuire and Canseco. Uh, Dave Parker was on that team. They, they, that, was, that team was loaded, Carney Lansford. But Dave Stewart, it was still the pitching staff that was the foundation of their success. And Dave Stewart was the man because he not only would take the ball every start, but he would take them deep into games, either getting a complete game or at least taking them into the eighth inning, sometimes into the ninth before he'd give way to Dennis Eckersley. But that kept the bullpen fresh for other pitchers in the rotation, uh, like Bob Welch. And when I say he was underappreciated, I think, how do you measure the effect that Dave Stewart's keeping the bullpen fresh to come in and pitch the last three, four innings in relief of the other starters on the other days to win ball games. It's hard to quantify that, but that's what Dave Stewart did. Uh, later on, uh, to me, he was the man. He pitched 45 more innings than Bob Welch, his teammate, but Welch won more games, and he won the Cy Young Award, even though without Dave Stewart's contributions of going deep into games, uh, probably Welch would not have been able to do that. 
And uh, so anyway, Dave Stewart, for me, is, is a real headliner on that 88 Oakland team. All right, thanks, John. More coming up on the 88 A's. But let's begin with a reminder of a team that was supposed to have done more than just one World Series win in the 1990s. The Braves only won, indeed, was in 1995. They came up short every other time in a stretch where they won a ridiculous 14 consecutive NL East titles. The other uh, 13 complete seasons in that time, everything finished with a loss somehow. They lost World Series in 91, and 92, and 96, 99. Lost a bunch of uh, NLDSs, in fact, to four in a row at the very edge of all that, down the, the backside of that. They lost in 02, 03, 04, and 05 pretty quickly. There were some, some big NLCS battles in there, too, but I think we'll remember them for losing World Series, right? The last time the Braves were actually bad, though, you got to go back to 1990. That was the year before they started making the playoffs every freaking year, except for 94, because there was no playoffs in 94. But starting when the Braves won 94 in 1991, going worst to first, before that, they had gone 1970 through 1990 without having a single 90-win season in that time. They were a 90-game loser as recently as 1990. Those were the, the Tommy Gregg, Andres Thomas years. But they were beginning to bloom then. Dave Justice was a budding star. Smoltz and Glavin and Avery, Merker still worked some progress, really. And uh, they didn't even draw a million fans for the year at home in 1990. Lost 97 games. But uh, fast forward to 95, the Braves, well, they started the season fairly mediocre, really. They were 20-17 and 17 through June 4th, and they were in third behind the Phillies and Expos. But then they won 20 of their last 25 heading into the All-Star break. They were up by four and a half games, and they pulled away after that. Greg Maddox led the NL in wins. He had 19 of them. ERA was 1.63, got his fourth straight Cy Young Award. Marquise Grissom, a gold glove center fielder. Maddox, a gold glove. He would end up with 13 of those. And eventually they won it all on their home turf against the Indians in the October World Series. Maddox won't be starting this particular game here on the podcast, but uh, actually both these teams are, are down in their respective rotations. It'll be Kent Merker for Atlanta, Storm Davis, not Dave Stewart for Oakland. But on the subject of Maddox, while we've got him just for a moment, I mentioned 19-2 and two was his record. And he'd have years almost as good as this one, as many as five, six, or seven years down the road. But 1.63 ERA, it's insane. And one of my favorite Greg Maddox stats, I think everything you need to know about him, is with four starts left in his career, winding down as a Dodger, and that was not a good year for Greg Maddox, but he told Derek Lowe he had noticed his career number of walks was 999, and he said with four starts to go, there is no way I'm retiring with 1,000 walks allowed. So sure enough, last four starts of the year and of his career, no walks. So the Braves in 95 had not only Maddox, they had the vintage Smoltz, vintage Glavin. They had Avery and Merker. Bobby Cox, a manager, set the tone for the organization. It never has to, to yell at his teams too often. And they say that's a good thing because sometime around 93 or 94, I guess it was, he was lighting into the Braves after a loss. Threw a clubhouse chair in the air, and it came down on his head. And Bobby Cox said, I, I forgot what I was going to say, so I just kind of stormed away to get my head bandaged up. Got to watch those post-game tirades sometimes, and thankfully for Bobby Cox, he didn't have to do many of them. Around the majors in 95, besides the Atlanta Braves winning it all, Cal Ripken Jr., I think, got us all back into the baseball flow. Coming off the strike, that's when he surpassed Lou Gehrig for the consecutive games record. 
And of course, it was a really interesting World Series between the Indians and the Braves. The Red Sox were the team that got knocked off by the Indians. Uh, Mo Vaughn, the AL MVP, was on that team. Cleveland swept them. Then the other ALDS, that was Seattle and the Yankees. That was the, the big, uh, oh boy, there was so much in that series. Uh, there was a game two win for the Yankees on a 15th inning walk-off homer by Jim Lairitz. But then at the Kingdome, the Mariners got it done. They have made the 13-game comeback on the Angels, forced the one-game playoff, won that. ALDS Mariners end up winning in five with the, the famous Edgar Martinez double. In the ALCS, Indians knocked off the Mariners in six. In the National League, you had uh, the Reds, who had run away with the NL Central. They swept the Dodgers. Braves had uh, dispatched of the Rockies. And in the NLCS, the Braves swept the Reds. And there you go. Pop Culture 95, my favorite part of all this. Match.com and eBay hit the Internet. Everyone loved The Simpsons in 95, as Principal Skinner introduced us to the concept of steamed hams. And groundskeeper Willie referred to the French as, and I'm quoting, cheese-eating surrender monkeys. Alanis Morissette came out with her Jagged Little Pill albums. Uh, the movie theaters featured the, oh, let's see, the uh, Toy Story, the Forrest Gump for you. NBC dominated network TV. They had ER, Seinfeld, Friends, Caroline in the City was the uh, the big number four for some reason. Cheers was no longer on the air, but Dr. Fraser Crane spun off to Seattle where he lived with his dad and housekeeper Daphne and dog named Eddie. The Rockets were NBA champions, the New Jersey Devil Stanley Cup champions, the Niners winning Super Bowl 29 in Miami that January to start the year. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention UCLA won the NCAA basketball championship at the Kingdom. Cameron Dollar in for Tyus Edney, a point guard, huge work from Ed O'Bannon to beat the Corliss Williamson-led Arkansas Razorbacks. Anyway, let's meet the lineup for the Braves, who never did become a dynasty like, oh, for example, UCLA hoops. But at least they'll always have 95. Grissom leads off in center, then a couple lefties, Dave Justice and Ryan Klesko in right and left, respectively. Javi Lopez, the catcher, hits cleanup Fred McGriff at first. Mike Mordecai, DHing in this one. Chipper Jones down in the order. His 23-year-old year, not quite yet fully ripened on the vine. Third baseman batting seventh. Jeff Blaus with the shortstop. Mark Lemke is the second baseman hitting ninth. All right, let's do the uh, 88 A's now. A team that marauded its way through the AL West but failed to stick the landing in the World Series. Kirk Gibson and Oral Hershiser shot him down. But before that failed week in late October, man, did they dominate. Tony La Russa's team did everything well. They were second in the league in runs scored, even though they were playing in a very pitcher-friendly park, Oakland Alameda County Coliseum. The A's were top five in every notable offensive category, and they could pitch. They took full advantage of their home park. They had the best ERA in the AL. But this was Jose Canseco's year. This was his 40-40 year. And speaking of disgraced PED users, uh, Mark McGuire, 32 home runs, 99 runs batted in that year. They were the Bash Brothers, and they had a good supporting cast. Dave Henderson, he mashed, played a good center field. Carney Lansford at third base, 29 steals, and Luis Polonia had 24 more. Glenn Hubbard and Walt Weiss, very consistent up the middle. Dave Parker, Don Baylor, they were past their prime, but two former MVP winners, they were there to provide leadership. Although the price of acquiring Parker from the Reds was Jose Rijo. That would come back to bite the Oakland A's in 1990. Another trade that worked out very well, they had gotten Bob Welch that year. He won 17 games. Bullpen depth was outstanding. La Russa had uh, two different righty-lefty combos that could bridge the rotation to Eckersley. You had Eric Plunk and Greg Cattare as kind of one team. Gene Nelson, Rick Honeycutt the other. But 
Anyway, the A's swept the Red Sox in the ALCS. Of course, they were in position to win game one of the World Series against the Dodgers. That did not work out, and they would lose four games to one. Pop Culture 88. Oh, it was a big summer for baseball movies. Eight Men Out got critical acclaim, as did Bull Durham, where we learned, among other things, that candlesticks make a, a nice wedding gift. And the Crash Davis believes in the small of a woman's back, the hanging curveball, high fiber, good scotch, and that the novels of Susan Sontag are self-indulgent, overrated crap. In politics, Dan Quayle was told, Senator, you are no Jack Kennedy. Back on the movie screen, Jessica Rabbit insisted, I'm not bad, I'm just drawn that way. Cocktail and Coming to America were among the big movies that weren't half animated. Big and Twins and Beetlejuice came out that year. On TV, Alan Thicke was the dad on Growing Pains. Tony Danza was the dad on Who's the Boss. I forget the name of the dad on ALF, but ALF was a thing. An alien puppet on primetime TV for NBC. See, Caroline in the City wasn't enough. They had to have ALF. Whitney Houston was so emotional, baby. George Michael had faith. Bobby McFerrin advised not to worry, but instead to be happy. And for good or for bad, Rick Astley was never going to give you up, nor was he going to let you down. Sports-wise, Chicago was uh, the host to some interesting outdoor sporting events. Wrigley Field finally had lights installed, and they opened up at night after a rainout against the Mets the night before in August. And in late December, the Fog Bowl between the Bears and the Eagles. Fog rollover coming in so dense that the fans couldn't see the players and the refs had to call what happened after every play because no one could see the sidelines. The Showtime Lakers won the NBA title. Notre Dame won the college football championship. Uh, Kansas with Danny Manning won the basketball championship. And last but not least, Snapple lemon-flavored iced tea was distributed nationwide for the first time. Let's get you the lineup now for the home team, the 88 Oakland A's. Carney Lansford leads off at third, Luis Polonia's in left. Then it's the Bash brothers, Canseco and McGuire. Dave Henderson in center, Terry Steinbach's DHing in this one so Ron Hassey can catch. Shortstop Walt Weiss batting eighth. Glenn Hubbard, the second baseman, is hitting number nine. And a little departure here. We normally give you the entire first inning on these podcasts, but so much happened in this game. We're going to actually move right through and tell you what happened in the first couple innings. It was all 95 Braves. And Storm Davis just didn't have it. In fact, by the time he was done, it was one inning plus four batters. He allowed seven runs, five hits, five walks, and all of that. First inning was a four-run inning. Grissom actually struck out to lead it off, took a called third strike. But then Justice blasted a home run. one nothing for the Braves on a Justice home run. Where have we, we heard that one before? Ryan Klesko popped out. So this started in a very innocuous way. It was one run in, nobody on, two out. But then Lopez with a single to right center. And then back-to-back-to-back walks to McGriff, Mordecai, and Chipper Jones. The last of those walks bumping in a run. Blouser then strafed a two-run single in the right. Four to nothing before Mark Lemke grounded out to end it. The A's went down in the bottom of the first and right back at it. The Braves in the top of the second. Walked for Grissom to lead off just as a single. And then Klesko walked to load him up. Javi Lopez unloaded to the base of the wall in left center. The ball kicking off the wall. It went for a triple. A triple for the catcher, Javi Lopez, clearing the bases and chasing Storm Davis from the game. Seven, nothing at that point. Gene Nelson came on. He got McGriff to fly out to right, and then he struck out Mordecai and Chipper Jones. So you had a 7-0 lead at the end of two for the Braves. Let's get you to the top of the third. Gene Nelson still on the mound, and Jeff Blauser leading off. 
Wayland Eugene Nelson, formerly of the Yankees, Mariners, and White Sox. He's got that dark mustache, a little like that of Dennis Eckersley. And he pours in a strike to Blauser. It's nothing in one. Blauser, for the year, hit just 211, did have 12 home runs. Here's the pitch, and it is in for a strike as we set the defense for Oakland. Taking a look, it's Lansford, Weiss, Hubbard, McGuire around the horn. Polonia's in left, Dave Henderson in center, Canseco in right. Ron Hassey, the catcher, he hangs the sign, and here's the pitch. Swing, high fly ball, deep drive to left field. This ball way back. It'll get up and over that dark green wall. Home run for Blauser. And the Braves are pouring it on. It is eight to nothing. Well, we mentioned Blauser in the regular season of 95, did hit 12 home runs. 122 for his 12-year big league career. Actually had a pair in the NLCS of 93. And as always, this one was pulled. Of those 122 regular season home runs, 116 of them to the left of center field. That's the guy that once had a three-homer game at Wrigley. Two off Frank Castillo, one off Paul Ossenbacher to win it against the Cubs in 10. But uh, his home run here to lead off the third makes it 8-0. And here's Lemke, who is not a home run guy by trade. Switch hitter batting 253 this year. He's never had more than seven home runs in a season. An 11-year career for Lemke. First 10 with Atlanta. Last one with the Red Sox. Lemke from upstate New York. Utica, to be precise, where they used to have a minor league team named the Blue Sox as opposed to the Red Sox. Pitch is low to him here. It's 1-0. And the Lemmer batting left. 27th round pick out of high school. Turned down a scholarship to Purdue to sign with Atlanta. His big league career will be over in 99 after a bad collision with Chad Cruder on the bases. Next pitch in the dirt, 2-0. Lemke then decided to chase a dream. In 99, he signed as a knuckleball pitcher with the New Jersey Jackals, an independent league team. And it did not go that well. He was hammered in his first few appearances. There was one stint. He was so wild with that knuckleball, he threw nine wild pitches in successive at-bats. <laughs> yeah. Here's a kick in the pitch. Swing a little dribbler towards left center. It's through. It's a base hit. Under the glove of a lunging Walt Weiss. And man, you talk about bringing sand to the beach. They're already up 8-0. Lemke gets a hit from the bottom of the order. Here's Grissom. Right-hand batter, 258 hitter this year. Born in Atlanta. Second youngest of 16 children. And the story goes Grissom couldn't afford to play organized baseball early in his childhood. When he was about nine years old, he struck a police officer's car with a rock that he threw from a very great distance. And the officer, impressed by the throw, agreed not to charge young Marquise Grissom if he would join his youth baseball team. Yada, 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 here he is. He takes the strike. It's nothing in one. Grissom would go on to become a star for Montreal as their leadoff hitter and center fielder. Led the National League in stolen bases in 91 and 92. All-star in 93 and 94. Winner of four straight gold gloves. As he takes outside here, it's one and one. Of course, the strike ended the 94 season before the playoffs. And the Expos were forced to make a lot of trades for financial reasons. Grissom went to the Braves for Esteban Yan, the pitcher. And the outfielders, Roberto Kelly and Tony Tarasco, 
There's a strike taken at the knees of Grissom, one and two. And Grissom will play against the Braves in the 97 World Series as an Indian. This after Grissom secured the final out against Cleveland in the 95 World Series. He caught a fly ball hit by Carlos Baerga. Lemke a safe lead at first with that eight to nothing lead. Here's the pitch. Swing and a miss strike three. So Grissom now has actually struck out twice. As we're in the top of the third, eight to nothing. The 95 Braves have the lead, and here's Justice, already two for two. So we were just talking about the final game of the 95 World Series, and that one will always be remembered for Justice in one big swing against former Georgia Tech baseball star Jim Poole. Sixth game of that 95 World Series. Pitch in the dirt, it's 1-0. Now the Braves were leading 3-2 in that series, and a scoreless game in the sixth was in the sixth inning. Poole... He'd come in the inning before to replace Dennis Martinez. And the lefty would give up the only run of the game on the Justice home run. As Justice swings, he fouls one down the first baseline. It's one and one. And Jim Poole had strong ties to Atlanta. Had a home in Atlanta. That day for him began at Georgia Tech. Baseball game wasn't until 7.30. Poole went to the first half of the Georgia Tech-Clemson football game before heading over to... to Fulton County Stadium. There's a strike at the knees of Justice 1 and 2. And Atlanta wasn't exactly loving Dave Justice during that day. He had publicly criticized Braves fans in the paper that morning, saying if we get down 1-0 tonight, the fans will probably boo us out of the stadium. And Justice made sure that didn't happen. Poole later said, you know, I was at the football game, and, and I'll never forget, one of my former Tech teammates said to me, hey, tonight, whatever you do, don't let Dave Justice beat you. And sure enough, that's what happened. Lemke a safe lead. The rock on the rubber now, the pitch. Swing high, fly ball. This ball taking off down the right field line. It's high, it's deep, it's off the wall. Lemke coming around third. He'll be waved in. And stopping at second base with a double is Dave Justice. It is nine to nothing. Don't let Dave Justice beat you, right? He is a triple away from the cycle here in the third inning. And man, the Braves are getting it done here. Ryan Klesko comes to the plate, runner at second. Ryan Klesko, left-hand batter. 310 hitter this year with 23 home runs. He was an all-star only one season and never with the Braves. His all-star year was 2001 as a Padre. Klesko having spent eight years as a Brave and seven in San Diego, he finished up as a San Francisco Giant. The pitch coming. He swings and ropes it down the right field line. That's a fair ball. Clanging in in the corner. Canseco will go dig it out. But Justice coming around. He's going to score. And wow. It is 10 to nothing here in the top of the third inning. Man, oh man. Now the 95 Braves, we said the one year they actually got it done, it was 1995 for this franchise when they, they got the World Series to work out. And against the powerful 88 A's, it is all Braves right now. Here's Lopez, the catcher. Shared duties with Charlie O'Brien and Eddie Perez for four years, and then 96 is when he really established himself as the everyday guy. He takes a strike here. It's nothing in one.
Lopez, when he was with the Braves, he caught Kent Merker's no-hitter back in early April of 94. And Merker's doing fine in this one. It's not a no-hitter, but he's up 10-0 in the top of the third. Pitch coming in from Gene Nelson. Swing high, pop-up. That'll drift to the third base side. Plenty of foul ground here, and there's Carney Lansford. He's got it. About 10 steps wide of the line. Two out. And it brings up Fred McGriff. The crime dog walked and scored in the first. He flied out in the second. Typical Fred McGriff year here in 95 for Atlanta. 280 hitter, 27 homers, 93 runs batted in. Lefty with a thin mustache taking outside. It's 1 and out. For McGriff's career, almost in the 500 home run club. Not quite. Ended up with 493. 130 as a Brave. 125 as a Blue Jay, his original team. Also played for Tampa Bay, San Diego, the Cubs, and Dodgers as he takes in the dirt 2 0. Ten more home runs in the postseason. And that's about right since he played in 50 postseason games. All but six of those with Atlanta. The other six as a Blue Jay early on in his career when the Jays lost the ALCS against these Oakland A's. McGriff went just two for 20 in that series. But in the 95 World Series, he had two home runs, including a big one in game one off Oral Hershiser in Atlanta. That was the difference in that game. Klesko leading from second, two out. Now the pitch. A blast in the right field. That's a base hit. It'll be played in by Conseco just now. And coming around to score the 11th run for Atlanta. Amazing is Ryan Klesko. Fred McGriff holding with a single. With two out. The runner, of course, going on contact. So now Fred McGriff. Comes through with his first RBI. Pretty much everybody hitting right now except for Grissom so far. We're just in the third inning. Todd Burns up in the bullpen. As Gene Nelson starting to lose it pretty quickly. Again, Storm Davis had a tough time of it. Total wipeout here. The fans a little restless. Here's Mike Mordecai. Don't sleep on Mordecai. He's a proven big game player. This will prove against the Cubs in the 0-3 NLCS. Part of that legendary eight-run eighth inning. The Steve Bartman inning. It was Mordecai with the bases loaded double to break it wide open. He takes a strike right at the belt, nothing in one. Chipper Jones on deck. It's 11-0 Atlanta in the third. And all Chipper Jones has contributed so far is a walk and a ground out. Chipper just 23 here in 1995 on his way to some amazing things. Takes outside. It's one and one. Last year, 1994, Mordecai made it to the majors, but for only four at-bats. Came up when Jeff Blauser was hurt in May. Mordecai had a three-run home run in the ninth against the Phillies for his first big league hit. And continued to torment the Phillies throughout his career. Phillies killer. And taking a strike here, it's one and two. Of course, for Mordecai, unfortunately, the Braves with Lemke at second, Chipper Jones at third, McGriff at first. That kind of prevents them from getting more than a reserve role with this team. Here's the one-two on the way. That's a called third strike at the knees, and that will finally retire the side. But after a four-run first and a three-run second, it's a four-run top of the third inning. The 95 Braves are up 11 to nothing.
And speaking of 1995, we pause for this. Every day, America Online is making it easier for people to live, work, and play. Hey, Dan, ready for the game? I'm just finishing up here with my new kayaking friends. Kayaking friends on your computer? Yeah, I just got America Online. Sounds great. Listen, I can't go to the game today. What? I've got to send something for my mom's birthday. It's tomorrow. I'll then book plane tickets for our trip next week, and my kids got to go to the library to look up dinosaurs. Hey, we can take care of all that before we go. Yeah, right. Oh, with America Online. America Online can do all that? Yeah. How about sending your mom some nice flowers? All you do is click on Marketplace. We place an order. Call now for America Online, a new way to use your computer to communicate, have fun, and get instant news and information. Flowers are sent. Now let's access the online travel service. How long have you had this? About a week. And it's so easy. All you do is point and click. But how does it work? All you need is a computer and a regular phone line. They send you the software and give you 10 free hours to check it out. Call now for your free America Online Startup Kit and get free software and 10 free online hours. It's everything you need to get online. Plane tickets are ordered. Now, let's look up dinosaurs. What do you think? Compton's Encyclopedia or National Geographic? You get all that with America Online? Yeah, you can read Business Week Online before it hits the newsstand. Update your stock portfolio every 15 minutes with PC Quote. You can even play fantasy football. Call now for 10 free hours of America Online and get instant access to the worlds of sports, finance, computing, and entertainment. Here come the dinosaurs. I saved you a trip to the library. Back in Oakland, where I've got mail. Let's tell you something about you can get into right now here in 2020. May we suggest you try out our good friends at Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf. And they've got locations here in the Bay Area, a lot of them down in Southern California. They're opening up in Brooklyn now, out in New York as well. There are a lot of airports all around the country. And since 1963, the Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf has been bringing you the finest coffees and teas from around the world. Responsibly sourced ingredients, handcrafted coffees and teas, the Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf, an experience like no other. Don't forget to try for a limited time their new Horchata Cold Brew Coffee or World Famous Ice Blended. 11-0 Atlanta after just two and a half at a shocked Oakland Alameda County Coliseum. Before we move along with further action, let's get a little pep talk from Tony La Russa, the manager of the 88 A's, recalling his club for us right now. We 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 uh, we won four in a row against Boston and ended on a Saturday, and we had that seven eight days. And all we do is take batting practice, and we tried to step up the workouts with inner squad, and our guys don't like facing each other, so we backed off. We didn't want to panic. So if you look at the, the stats, just about every one of our hitters got one hit. Just one hit. I mean, our timing was off. In the first game, we had an advantage with Stewart against Belcher, and we lost that one. And then they had Hershiser. So what I remember about game four was, you know, here again we have uh, – we won game three with McGuire's home run, so we can get even and make it a series. And offensively, we just were not productive. We couldn't spring hits together, and we just were having just eight typical at-bats for the very talented offense that we had. And a lot of it had to do with, you know, once you start struggling, then you start pressing, and it gets what's bad gets worse. So more than anything else, you know, we had a great chance to get even in game four. And offensively, we just, you know, our bats were not ready to be productive. All right, thanks much to the always steady, never panicking Tony La Russa. Oakland down here 11-0 as we move to the, the bottom of the fourth. We'll go to the bottom of the fourth. Uh, memorably, the 0-1 A's, the Moneyball A's, were up 11-0, trying to run that legendary win streak to, to 20 games. You might remember that from the movie. 
the home dominance, a home 20-game win streak. They they allowed the, the Kansas City Royals to tie things up. And, yeah, having blown an 11-0 lead, but they, they rallied. They won it 12-11. Won it on the walk-off by actor Chris Pratt. <laughs> well, Scott Hatterberg. See the movie. Anyway, this one will need to come back from down 11 by Oakland. And they did get six runs back in this, the bottom of the fourth inning. They, ch they chased the lefty starter, Kent Merker. He'll end up going three and two-thirds, eight hits, five runs all earned, three walks, three strikeouts. And uh, getting the six in, as you might imagine, it was uh, the middle of that order getting a lot of the work done. Terry Steinbach actually started it with a double. Ron Hassey with a double, so that scored one run. Then Weiss with a single, Hubbard with a single, and it was a slow little comeback charge here, 11-2 at that point. Lansford flied to right, Polonia lined to first, but then Conseco mashed one deep to left center. It went out about a 420-footer, matter of fact. Three-run home run, 11-5 at that point, and McGuire would follow form with a home run of his own. That brought Brad Klontz into the game as Merker was chased away. So 11-6, Klontz actually hit Dave Henderson, but then got Steinbach batting for a second time of the inning on a ground out. So that's where it ended, 11-6 at the end of four. Top of the fifth, nothing doing for the Braves against Todd Burns, who looked like he was going to settle in nicely. Down five runs now instead of 11. We go to the bottom of the fifth inning. Ron Hassey, we can tell you, leading it off with a walk. So, hmm, maybe there's a little something brewing here. 11-6 game, and Brad Klontz, the submarining righty, now facing Walt Weiss. Weiss, the 1988 Rookie of the Year. Chris Sabo won it in the National League, by the way, here in 88. There's a strike from Klontz. Clips the outside corner, nothing in one. The Braves defensively haven't set them yet. It's Chipper Jones at third, Blouser at short, Lemke at second, McGriff at first. And left to right in the outfield, Klesko, Grissom, and Justice, Javi Lopez, the catcher. As the pitch fades low, one and one. Oakland Coliseum with the, the cool nighttime air and the expansive foul ground. It is death for the home team's hitters sometimes. No Oakland hitter has ever won a batting title. And San Francisco across the bay had never had one until Barry Bonds. The A's moved to Oakland in 68. The Giants in 58 going to San Francisco. So is it the Bay Area weather? Is it coincidence? Will Clark and Corny Lansford both had shots on the season's final day to get batting titles in 89. Lansford lost by three points to Kirby Puckett. Clark by three points to Tony Gwynn. Because the pitch is outside here. It's two and one. And to be fair for these A's, they have never, even in Philadelphia, Kansas City, their entire history, they've never had anyone with a 30-game hitting streak. The last one beyond 25 games, 1938. Here's a pitch on the way. Swing, that'll get down in right field, a base hit for Walt Weiss. Okay, Ron Hassey's to second. So it's two on, nobody out, and Glenn Hubbard now. As we get to the bottom of the order, 255 batter, three homers, 33 runs batted in, 33 walks. Former Atlanta Brave. Hubbard's career in Atlanta lasting from 78 through 87. He then signed with these A's as a free agent, played in 88 and 89 in Oakland. He takes a strike, gets nothing in one. Hubbard had an all-star season in 83. 14 homers, 70 batted in that year. His only All-Star game appearance. And during his at-bat, Vin Scully and Joe Garagiola made some 
lighthearted comments about his big, full beard. Beards were not exactly in fashion at the time. Hubbard ended up getting a single in his one All-Star game at bat. Had a sharp grounder to another first-time All-Star, Cal Ripken. Ball took a wicked hop. Ripken couldn't handle it. And it was scored a base hit. Here's the pitch. It's low. It's one and one. Two on, nobody out. 11 to 6 are a score. The Braves over the A's as we play in the bottom of the fifth. Hubbard taking outside two and one. You might remember his most notable trading card ever was the, uh, the 1984 Fleer version in which he's got an eight-foot boa constrictor draped around his neck. Right-hand hitter, not the snake, but Hubbard, 244 batter for his career. Snake only hit about 220. Here's the pitch. Swing and a base hit into left field. Ron Hassey cutting around as it's bobbled just for a moment. And finally, as Klesko gets it back in, there is no play at the plate. It's now 11-7. First and second. Tying man will be on deck as the top of the order steps in now in Carney Lansford. Even if Klesko fielded it cleanly, don't think he would have had a play. Hassey got a good jump on that one. So here's Lansford, 279 hitter. Seven home runs, also 29 steals. Kind of rare for a third baseman to have that many. He takes a strike from Klontz, nothing in one. Now the 88 A's trailing by four now. And what a year they had with a 14-game win streak at one point, 18 out of 19 at one point. A's in their home whites with the golden green trim. And here in 88, that's when the elephant was restored as the patch on the sleeves, the symbol of the A's on the left sleeve of the home uniform. That elephant was retired as team mascot in 1963 by owner Charles Finley. He went with the Missouri mule instead of the elephant. Pitch on the way, swing a little bloop. That ball falling in left field. It's down in front of Klesko, and it's gonna be bases loaded. The tying man is coming to the plate 11-7 our score. Luis Polonia will bat. Little bloop shot from Lansford. The fastball in from Klontz. And somehow Lansford able to fight it in the shallow left. Luis Polonia, who once had an inside the park grand slam, batting with the bases loaded here. Had that inside the park grand slam as an angel. That'll be later in his career. Polonia here in 88. Just getting going in his career. He's 24 years old. Lefty wearing number 22. He takes high. It's ball one. And boy, Klontz really struggling. Jason Schmidt is up in the bullpen. Boy, you wouldn't think he'd have to maybe go twice to the bullpen this early, having been up 11-zip in the third, but here we are. 11-7 now the score as we play in the bottom of the fifth. There's the strike to Polonia right down the middle, one and one. Klontz, 8-1 with a 3.65 ERA for the 95 Braves. Good season for him. Part of a bullpen that normally does very good work. Bedrosian, Borbone, McMichael, Wollers. Some guys you can usually count on. Klontz with that sidearm submarine windup. Former college star at Virginia Tech. He'll bring it in. There's a swing, a slow roller towards short. Blauser charging. He can get it to second base for an out. He does. It's a fielder's choice. Lansford out, but the speedy Polonia has gotten it done. He's across first base. Another run is in. 
and it's 11 to 8 with the Bash brothers ready to go to work. Jose Canseco will be the tying man against the beleaguered Brad Klontz. It is righty versus righty. And Canseco already with a three-run home run to get him back in it. Now a chance for a three-run home run to tie it. And Canseco, the fan favorite, broke in not this year, but in 86. That was his rookie year, and the, the hype was uh, deserved. He was managed at the start of that season by Jackie Moore, a very low-key guy, replaced by the interim skipper Jeff Newman, finally replaced by La Russa in early July of 86. And that was a lackluster A's team in 86. No starter batting over 285, very mediocre pitching. But Canseco was a bright spot. He was the unanimous AL Rookie of the Year. Klontz submarines one in. Swing and a foul straight back. Nothing in one. He took a home run cut. Then Canseco is still capturing the imagination of this entire country. He has that cool thing down to an art. How to play the outfield standing sideways. How to wear the tight uniform. How to gaze lovingly at those long homers and how to say things like, I don't expect to reach my pinnacle for a few more years. Taking here, and it's one and one. That one just outside from Klontz. Canseco, he uh, led all American League outfielders in votes for the All-Star game here in 88. And ended up with the 40-40 season. September 23rd is when he got that done. Stole two bases to get to 40 that day. Already had 41 home runs. Pitches in the dirt, two balls and a strike. And postseason, you know, Canseco put the 88 A's ahead in uh, game one of that fabled World Series with a grand slam off Tim Belcher. It was 4-2 when Canseco hit that homer. And, of course, you know the rest. Had Eck secured the save, Canseco would have been the hero. But instead, he was all but forgotten as Gibson took the spotlight. Pitches low, it's 3-1. McGuire on deck. Canseco, after that grand slam, by the way, finished up 0-17 for 17 after. McGuire was 1-17 for 17 for that series. So the Bash brothers absolutely didn't get it done. And they would not get their revenge until 89. Two men on. Here's a pitch from Klontz. Swing line drive, base hit left field. Hubbard scores. Canseco again with a big hit. He's got four runs batted in for this game. It'll be first and second. Still just one out. And it's now 11-9. Four RBIs the last two innings for Canseco. Schmidt still warming in the bullpen. And here's the other half of the Bash brothers. The red-headed Mark McGuire. McGuire a home run last inning. Do you give him anything to hit here? Dave Henderson on deck, another powerful righty. McGuire, 32 home runs in the regular season. Takes outside, it's 1-0. And McGuire, so loved by his manager, Mr. LaRusa. They'll head off to St. Louis together a few years from now. LaRusa, unlike McGuire, had a pretty inglorious playing career. LaRusa, a 199 hitter. Whose big moment was scoring the winning run for the Cubs on opening day of 1973. He scored that run as a pinch hitter, was sent down to Wichita two days later, never did get back to the show as a player. Pitches low, 2-0 to McGuire. Oh, a dangerous spot here. 
course, Tony La Russa did make it back very well as a manager. That was also in Chicago with the White Sox in 79, where he started that managing career. Pitch to McGuire outside, three balls and no strikes. And this has got to be the last batter either way for Klontz. His release point looks off. He's sweating profusely right now, even though it's a cool late afternoon here in Oakland. Clouds obscuring the late day sunshine. 11 to 9 our score, two on. And now the 3-0 pitch. It is high ball four. Loaded up, and here comes Bobby Cox with the hook. He'll make the move right now, still leading, but by only two in the bottom of the fifth inning. Remember, the Braves had four in the first, three in the second, four in the third. But now Oakland's back with six in the bottom of the fourth. And they're working on another big inning here in the fifth. Cox back to the dugout. As Jason Schmidt is taking his warm-up throws. Cox and Tony La Russa will be frequent foes in the NLDS and NLCS once La Russa moves on to St. Louis. And, you know, we were just talking about La Russa, who really does have a remarkable ability to both attract and repel. He was written up for sainthood in the George Will baseball book, managed all these different playoff teams, but he's also managed to, to cheese off everyone from Barry Bonds to Ray Knight to Lou Pinella to Dusty Baker along the way. There are a lot of people in baseball who don't exactly cotton to La Russa's reputation as a genius or mastermind. A rival manager sometimes refers to him as Abner Doubleday, saying it the way you'd call a bald guy curly. But yeah, with that label of genius, I guess come certain expectations. Your team better not be sloppy. It better win some games. And this would be something. What a feather in the cap of La Russa here if these 88 A's can come all the way back against the 95 Braves. It was 11 to nothing Atlanta. Jason Schmidt done with his warm-up throws. The big righty, what a spot for him. 22-year-old rookie called on to protect this shrinking lead. Only 25 big league innings for Schmidt this year. Spent most of the season at AAA Richmond, where his ERA was just two and a quarter for manager Grady Little. And the man who had a big season for Richmond, that was Tyler Houston. One of the uh, rare Braves drafting misses. Tyler Houston taken number two overall in the 89 draft. Ahead of both Frank Thomas and Mo Vaughn, among others. Glenn Hubbard, the hitting coach on that team at Richmond. Of course, he right now the second baseman for these Oakland A's. Dave Henderson is the batter. And here we go. Again, just a, a tremendous opportunity for Jason Schmidt to prove his medal. On the road, 22 years old, facing the veteran Henderson. With the bases loaded, an 11-9 game. Henderson, 24 homers, 38 doubles this year. Hit by a pitch last inning. They've got veteran mashers all over the place on this team. They've got the 39-year-old Don Baylor, 37-year-old Dave Parker. Those are scary guys. Remember in 78, Dave Parker once played for a bit wearing a hockey mask, recovering from a jaw injury. He looked like a horror movie come to life. Pitch to him is low, ball one. Pitch to Henderson, that is. Henderson, a scary-looking guy, too, without the, the hockey mask, but the, the big right-hand batter. Softened a bit with that gap-tooth grin. He's got the big smile. Makes him look a little less menacing than Parker and Baylor. Schmidt has the sign. Now the pitch. Line drive, right center, base hit. Polonia scores. Canseco coming around third. Jim Lefevre waves him in. Canseco is in there. It's tied at 11. 
in the bottom of the fifth inning. Dave Henderson, the veteran, greeting Jason Schmidt very rudely, and this place is going crazy. The A's were down 11 to nothing. They're now tied 11-11. Two on, still just one out, and here's Terry Steinbach. Steinbach, the All-Star Game MVP, and after all the hue and cry about why he was an All-Star in the first place, he broke open a scoreless All-Star Game tie, driving a Dwight Gooden fastball up and over the wall, glancing off Darrell Strawberry's glove. He was the All-Star Game MVP. Takes the strike, it's nothing in one. Steinbach got back to that AL dugout and clanged elbows with a number of his more renowned AL teammates, that celebratory gesture of forearm bashing that started here in Oakland. And the A's have bashed their way right back into this one. The winner of this game advances to play the 98 Yankees down the road. Schmidt to the plate with a pitch. Swing and a base hit in the right field. Gets by a luncheon, Glenn Hubbard. Scooped up by Justice. Up with the throw. A little up the line. McGuire's going to score. He is under the tag of Javi Lopez. Amazing. Steinbach singles. It is 12-11. Steinbach plays the role of Scott Hatterberg from the Moneyball movie, breaking open the 11-11 tie. And we'll mention here that Schmidt settled down. Ron Hassey striking out while Weiss striking out. That brought it closed with a six-run fifth after a six-run fourth. Yeah, 12-11 Oakland, and they would tack on three more in the sixth inning, believe it or not, as they sent eight to the plate. Canseco, another big hit. He ended up with a five RBI game. And really the story of this one the rest of the way was Todd Burns, the unheralded 24-year-old. Remember, he came on after three innings when Gene Nelson and Storm Davis had gotten pounded. But you talk about getting it done. How about six innings of relief for Todd Burns in this one? Not a single hit allowed. He did walk a couple. He struck out four. He settled things all the way down. The Braves never scored again. The A's never scored again. Your final, incredibly, 15-11. 88 A's get it done. They were down 11, then they scored 15 unanswered, all in the middle inning. Six in the fourth, six in the fifth, three in the sixth inning. Everybody went 0 for 18 against Todd Burns, but uh, everybody went 11 for 20 against Storm Davis and Gene Nelson for the Atlanta Braves. And in fact, if you want to go one further, looking at this box score, you had 0 for 18 against Todd Burns. Everybody else, both teams in this game, hit a combined about 480, 30 for 63. So man of the match might be the reliever, Todd Burns, who had an okay year for the 88 days. Nothing great. You know, eight wins, 3.16 ERA out of the pen. But he restored order, and the A's with the 15-11 win. Next week... Speaking of 11, we're going to see an 11 seed take on a 6 seed in St. Louis. We're going to see the 93 Phillies, who lost a World Series. They'll go up against Whitey Herzog's 82 Cardinals, who won a World Series, led by Keith Hernandez. But again, in this one today, a memorable, historic, wacky comeback for the ages. The 88 A's, who allowed the first 11, scored the final 15. And your final again here in the Bay Area, it was 88 Oakland 15. 95 Atlanta, 11. 
Thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget to check out the website, thethrowbackleague.com. You can find us on Twitter as well if you want to reach out at thethrowbacklg, short for league. Josh Lewin bidding you bye-bye. <laughs>